the Simple Pen Podcast, Pinterest for business advice that goes down smooth and easy. Here's your host, Kate All. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Simple Pin Podcast. I am your host, Kate All, and I run a company called Simple Pin Media, which is a Pinterest management company based out of Portland, Oregon. And what we do is we aim to manage our clients' Pinterest presence so they can focus back on their business. But I also teach simple DIY Pinterest marketing tips here on the podcast that you can implement yourself without feeling overwhelmed. So if you want more tips, I'd love for you to go to simplepinmedia.com slash email. And that's where you can sign up for the free ultimate Pinterest planner that I created in conjunction with Tailwind. It is an amazing wealth of information that will help keep you motivated to keep up with your Pinterest marketing all throughout the year. It covers pin, what to pin, what to promote, what to plan. There is just an amazing amount of information in this planner. So again, go to simplepinmedia.com slash email to get your free Pinterest planner. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about how to create a Pinterest marketing funnel. And that is a lot of marketing speak jargon that a lot of people don't always understand. In fact, I don't even understand it a lot of times. So I'm going to break it down into basically how to create a Pinterest marketing plan for clicks subscribers, and sales. And this was a talk that I gave at Social Media Marketing World last week, which was an amazing conference. It's always just a joy to see people that I've had online relationships with that I get to see in person. And then to also to learn more things about what's happening in the social media industry overall. It was my third year attending, my second year teaching, and it was just a great experience. So if you've never gone, I would highly encourage you to go, especially if you are somebody is who's in the social media marketing space. Even if you're a blog blogger, podcaster, just to keep up on the trends of what's happening in our industry is a really important aspect of how you continue to grow your business. I always use the phrase like I want to remain teachable, and if I'm not, then I feel like I'll really stall out. So this helps me keep up on that. All right, so back to what we're going to be talking about today, which is how to create a Pinterest marketing plan for clicks, subscribers, and sales. And I want to help give you a path that you can take for your business that isn't overwhelming and isn't going to really bog you down, but you can easily implement it based on your vision, based on who your person is. So let's first talk about just the challenge of Pinterest marketing. It is, as I've said before in the podcast, a slow burn. So you really have to get your headspace wrapped around the fact that Pinterest is going to take some time to really get things off the ground. And that's just part of how it works. It's not Facebook. It's not Instagram. We're not looking for the engagement piece. We're really looking for the traffic piece. And so that requires us to invest 
in how Pinterest works and really knowing and understanding it. And so that's why we want to first talk about the smart feed. And the smart feed is Pinterest algorithm. And it's based on three factors, images, keywords, and domain authority. So for images, it wants clear, beautiful images that people can see themselves in, that they engage with, that they want to read the article. And it is subjective to say that, you know, an image that's beautiful But Pinterest wants to keep images that are basically, they're easy to read and view. And I believe a little bit of this plays into their visual recognition and how they want to match up their lens tool with those images that are on the platform. And if you've never played around with lens, it's inside your app. When you go to search, you'll see a little tiny red camera to the right. Take a picture of anything and Pinterest will populate all the other images on the platform that match to that. Amazon has something similar. You can take a picture of a product. It will find it on Amazon, which is such a lifesaver. I really like visual recognition. So if you're creating images that the visual recognition tool can see what's in that image. And this is particularly important for people who are product sellers, is that if you have a product that you're selling, make sure you pin an actual image of the product, but you're also doing a lifestyle shot. So that's why images are important. Keywords, I would say keywords are king on Pinterest, very similar to Google. It's a search and discovery network. So we want to be using keywords in a targeted way that match up our content with the person we know is searching for our content. Again, very similar to Google. We want people to find us through the keywords that they put into the search bar. And domain authority has a little bit to do with, is the content being shared from your site good content? Are you spam? Or do people spend a lot of time on your site? Are people sharing from your site organically? These factors go into this smart feed algorithm. So again, this makes it a long-term game when we're talking about cultivating images and keywords that get into search. So kind of take Facebook and Instagram and how you market over there and just take them off the table. We're just going to focus on this Pinterest and how it works and with all its funkiness and how long it takes. But I really do believe after a long time, this will pay off for you and your business. All right, let's also address the typical Pinterest user. So their habits are Pinterest is their first point of contact. It's where they go to look to try to build their ideas. So the best way to explain this for me is that when I was doing our edition, which I've talked about a little bit here on the podcast, I looked to Pinterest for all of my ideas before they were fully formed. So I didn't gather all my ideas elsewhere and then go to Pinterest to see what it is I could find. I went to Pinterest first to gather my ideas so that I could find a way to create the room with the pieces that I loved. So for me, that was looking for the perfect carpet or camel colored recliner. I wanted to go to Pinterest to inform my ideas and then maybe I purchased elsewhere. So just know that it's not the first point of, it is the first point of contact. It's not the last, which means we don't go to Pinterest to buy. We go to Pinterest to dream. And there's 200 million monthly users and 100 billion, billion ideas on Pinterest. The international platform is growing like crazy. In fact, we see it 
Pinterest has said it's grown by over 50% over the last year, which means that our products might be found in other countries overseas. And if you are somebody that ships particular products, you want to be aware of that and have that on your website, whether or not you will ship internationally or not. It's a lot of millennials, both men and women. I think there's a lot of generations that use Pinterest. I know my mom uses it. A lot of her friends use it. My daughter uses it almost every single day to find drawing ideas. She's super into anime. And so she goes onto Pinterest and searches anime or Pokemon. And yeah, she's really enjoys it. She has her own Pinterest account. She's 12. So there, I, what I love about Pinterest so much is that it really spans a variety of audiences. And it's up to us to figure out how we're going to target our particular person on Pinterest. So the first question we want to ask is, how do we get more clicks from Pinterest to our website? Because we all want clicks. It's the thing that we can convert to monetization opportunities or ways we can build our email list. So how do we get the clicks? First, the pinnable images. I have a podcast on here that I'll link in the show notes um, about how to create pinnable images that capture the pinner's attention. And there's a lot of great information in there. So I'm not going to expand too much on that, but I'll have it in the show notes. So you can go to simplepinmedia.com slash 90. But first we want to talk about it's a vertical image always. Pinterest has said there's a two to three ratio the ideal size being 600 by 900. But I don't want everybody to get too caught up in that exact number. The point being, we want a vertical image, something that's taller as opposed to horizontal or square. Now, Pinterest has said that you can use square images, 600 by 600. But as we look at the performance of images on Pinterest, we find that vertical images they knock it out of the park every single time. So stick with that vertical ratio of two to three. Pinterest has also said they start to cut off images at about 1500 length. So don't aim to go crazy long because you want to try to take up more space, but aim to create an image that is very captivating and is something that hooks people in, which that's a good segue. So what makes an engaging pinnable image? My standard phrase, I know I've talked about it this on the, before on the podcast, but if you're new here, is think about billboard advertising. Pinners are on their phone. They're thumbing through. They're looking at their home feed, which is what Pinterest, that's the smart feed. And that's how they create a smart feed for you. Remember the images, the keywords, they all funnel into that person's home feed. So when the person is scrolling through at this fast pace, they're catching uh, uh, their their eye is catching these images similar to you driving down a freeway or a road and billboards catch your attention. You'll notice that billboards are colorful. They have great images. They have very few words on them. Like you're you're not going to see a paragraph on a billboard because we can't read it. We don't have enough time. So that's something you need to be thinking about with your pinnable images. What are the colors and the text that are going to grab their attention? Numbers are a huge thing. So if you do lists, Pinterest users love 
lists. Like one of our clients has like 25 cruise secrets and it's like her number one pin for like four years. People love things like that. And that number standing out, and that's what we discovered about her particular analytics is that she had a lot of pins driving a lot of traffic where the the list had a very strong, big number that hooked them in. Bright text is always, always a good idea. You want to make something that is again, colorful, and it does match the photo that you're using. And I think that's a really important thing as well, is that when you take, let's say you take a beach scene, and you can talk about like 10 of the best books to read on the beach, or 10 travel tips to Mexico. But you can't have it translate to something different. So you hop over and it's like how to teach your kid to nap. Well, that's weird. Like it didn't make sense for the image that you showed them. So you want to make sure that that image that you're using, if it's a stock image, if it's your image, whatever it is, has the component of a captivating look to it. It's clear, it's easy to see. And then you want to have text over the top. And you want to have the text be something compelling, or something a little bit provocative, a question, a statement, something that might get them curious. That's always good to test. I recommend you, you know, you can try the title of your post or the name of your product, but I highly re- recommend you try something a little bit different. Um, I know for me, when I was looking for bathroom fixtures, I would do the best modern farmhouse bathroom vanity light. And, you know, what's interesting is that I loved the posts that had collections and roundups that I could see a variety of the actual lights and I would save all those to my Pinterest board. All right. So remembering the smart feed, we're going to jump to keywords and how important keywords are. They're important because users go onto the platform. They type into the search box exactly what it is they want to look for. So how do you do keyword research on Pinterest? There's two great ways to look for keywords on Pinterest. So first is search prediction. That's when you go to Pinterest and you see the box at the top and you can type into their words that you're looking to target. So for me, I would do Pinterest marketing tips for dot, dot, dot. And it's going to show you wouldn't put the dot, 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 but it's going to show for bloggers, for Etsy shop owners, for Shopify, for small businesses, there's going to be a lot of other options that you can target. So this shows you that people are already searching these terms on Pinterest. The second way is through the guided search boxes. So let's say I put in Pinterest marketing tips for bloggers, then I click enter, and it's going to have a list of tiles across the top of my screen that are called guided search boxes. And these boxes will show you how Pinterest is taking that particular term and funneling it even deeper. So if you're looking to create something super targeted and you know your person is going to be searching for something in particular, it's a really, really good idea for you to play around with these searches to gather an idea of what the keywords are. And then you want to include those in a few places. Number one is your board names and in your board descriptions. So board names, the great part about this is they can be indexed by Google. So when you search a particular term and Pinterest sees that, or in Google sees that it's actually a Pinterest board name, it will sometimes funnel that high up onto the list because it has a great 
phrase or keyword phrase. And maybe people are actually clicking over and over on this Pinterest board and then finding inside the Pinterest board all the resources that they need and that they were looking for. I once searched how to use up leftover baby cereal on Google, and it gave me number one, a Pinterest board called how to use leftover baby cereal. And it, this board had like maybe 10 pins and it didn't have a lot of followers, but all these 10 pins were super valuable because they had the information that I was looking for. So using very specific names for your board names on Pinterest, not only benefits Pinterest because it tells Pinterest what your board is about and the type of content that will be in there, but it also tells Google hey, here is more information about what you're searching for over on this other platform, Pinterest. Now you wanna put some information into the board description, but what we've noticed over time and working with so many other Pinterest accounts is that the board descriptions don't play into search like the board names. So you definitely want to fill it in because you want the user to know what it is that board is going to be about, but you're not necessarily doing it for search rankings on Pinterest. So when you're creating your boards, again, go back to your ideal person. What are they searching? What are they potentially buying? What is it that they're looking for information for? And how can your board be a curated resource to solve that problem? So I've used this example before in the podcast, but again, if you're new, you might not have heard it, but I talk about the lawn care example. So I met a guy a year ago at Social Media Marketing World who did lawn care. He was doing marketing for a lawn care company and a great way to use Pinterest for his brand would have been to talk about the benefits of this organic fertilizer. So maybe on this profile of this person who does, you know, lawn care organic fertilizer is to talk about the best organic fertilizers for kids. So even a board title that like best lawn care options for best organic lawn care for families. You really have to jot down a bunch of names and get creative with them. Make sure they're not super long. So I would say no more than four words. So you don't want to take up a ton of space and there is a character limit on it. So I would just do um, two, three, four words. However, you can create the board name to be very specific to what people are searching. The next place, and I would probably say the most important place that you're going to put keywords is in your pin description. And this includes one to two sentences peppered with keywords in a very authentic way. You can just list this pin description with a bunch of keywords, but I don't recommend it. Very similar to keyword stuffing. I believe when we do things like that, eventually down the line, whatever program you're doing it on will pick up on it. You know, Google picked up on keyword stuffing. So I wouldn't want you to spend all this time putting in keywords to pin descriptions to go back through and have to change them. So what you should do is write one to two sentences that have a very clear and clean pin description with your keywords. So an example would be for me, how to clean up Pinterest boards in five easy steps. And then you could include hashtags, Pinterest this summer has allowed the use of hashtags. You want to limit it to probably four to five. Pinterest has said you can go up to 20. But because we don't know fully how users are going to use hashtags on the platform, I would say stick around four to five. And just note that those hashtags don't funnel into the search feed 
on Pinterest. They funnel into the chronological hashtag feed. So you want to choose one that's a branded hashtag. So for me, I have hashtag simple pin podcast. So when somebody clicks on simple pin podcast, it takes them to the chronological hashtag feed with all pins that have the hashtag simple pin podcast. Now, what's cool about this is that all of a sudden it's my collection of all my content. So if somebody does click on it, that's what they get. But note, it's not taking you to the search feed. When somebody searched Simple Pin Podcast, they would get totally different results. So you see where I'm going with that? You have two different types of feeds now. You have your search feed and you have your main home feed and you have the chronological hashtag feed. And it will give you a timestamp as to when that was last pinned. So good hashtags to use are ones that you know your people are gonna be using. They're not very general, but they're a little more specific. So maybe your paleo or whole 30 or whatever that might be in your genre, use those instead of something just like recipe, eat, things that maybe you might use on Instagram. Try to be more specific to keywords you think people might search um, as it relates to the chronological hashtag feed. So again, let's review. A good example of a pin description would be one to two sentences and just about four to five keywords. Okay, so what can happen when you then combine these amazing images with these amazing pin descriptions. That is where the magic happens. And there's a podcast here too, I'll link to it in the show notes. We talked about the patience that Pinterest requires, that it is a slow burn platform. And I interviewed Melissa of Bless This Mess. And what she did was she made a plan to get really, really savvy with her images which led to her great content. And then she got really, really good with these keywords and pinning. So what happened over time was Melissa grew and grew and grew and grew and grew. But this was over a two to three year span. She's focusing on creating great images. She's focusing on her pin descriptions. And she just hit over 1 million page views. And that was her goal. Her goal was to really connect with her audience in a dynamic way that brought them to her site, that caused them to click over there and engage with the content that she had. Had she never worked on those images or even on the keywords, because the keywords really are, she knew her person. She knew the recipes that she was creating. She knew what to put in this box and she wanted to connect with them. And as a result, they came to the site, they clicked They clicked over from Pinterest and they started engaging. And so now what do we do with them? So they're coming over, they're hanging out on our site, and we want to pull them in as subscribers to get them on our email list. And I know the email list thing is kind of like buzzwords and everybody talks about having an email list and it feels like it's the hardest thing to grow and it grows at a snail's pace when someone else grew it to like a gazillion. I get it. I've been struggling to grow my email list for four years. And full disclosure, I just hit 10,000 subscribers. And it was a lot of work. But I cultivated it with people I knew wanted to hear what I had to say. They're the people that come into my site from Pinterest. And I wanted to, I wanted to be able to talk with them. And email provides that way to have a conversation. So here's an example of what I did to grow my email list specifically from Pinterest. So I created a special opt-in 
And I did it in two ways. One was a free Pinterest planner. It was a comprehensive, big planner that many of you have already. But if you don't, go to simplepinmedia.com slash email and you can get that free planner. And I wanted it to be so amazing that they couldn't resist signing up. Well, the other thing that I did too was I put a freebie on the one specific post I was getting the most traffic from Pinterest. And that was my how to clean up Pinterest boards. And so I wanted to give them a checklist to clean up their Pinterest boards themselves. So that's what I did was I created this special checklist and now all this traffic from coming from Pinterest, I get probably eight to nine subscribers, sometimes even more per day, just because that's where my party's happening. That's where everybody's coming to my site. And I want them to engage with me. I want to get to know them. And so I offer them that. For you, you could offer a special discount. Maybe it's a 10% off. If you sell a product, I love these offers. I think they're so smart. You know, 10% off your first order or 15% off your first order. When I was looking for my specific bathroom vanity lights, I would look for these offers based on like I would click from Pinterest, I would go over and I would kind of wait for them to pop up. And if they didn't, I was kind of less likely to buy. I wanted an incentive. And I had a couple other options of places to buy this light from, but whoever was going to give me the discount is who I was going to buy from. So consider your offers based on what your audience is looking for, especially if you have a lot of new traffic, that discount offer is a great way to hook them in. A free ebook is really good. Answering their objections is really good as well. Like maybe you know that you get a constant question or a certain objection over and over and over again. Answer that in an opt-in. Answer it in something where they can sign up and get the answer to their problem. So again, you want to put your email sign-up box or your special offer definitely in the place where the most traffic is entering into your site. But you do want to have a big offer, which mine is the big Pinterest planner. And my smaller, I have a lot of smaller offers on posts, but this one on the how to clean up Pinterest board is probably the most active on my site because that's where I get all my traffic from Pinterest. If you are savvy with UTM codes, and we talked a little bit about this in the podcast for AB testing. Again, I'll have the link in the show notes for you. If you want to use those on your opt-in to see if people are clicking on them, that also is a good way to get more hard data to track what's happening. All right. So the next thing, the final thing. So as they're going down the funnel, you know, you got them to click over, you got them to sign up for your email list. And now we're going to get maybe a sale or a purchase or a click on an affiliate link. You have to think about their journey again, that we have to warm them up. So you've brought them all the way through this. They're dreaming about what their perfect living room looks like. They've pinned it. They're ready to buy. You've given them an offer. And now you want to make it really, really easy for them to purchase. But there's sometimes a few things that stand in their way, especially we're talking about physical products, dead links. That's one right there. Your offer has expired or you're out of stock. As I was looking for products on Pinterest, specifically these camel colored leather recliner chairs, I found tons of different options that I liked. I cannot tell you how many times I clicked on these recliners and they were gone. And there was no way to funnel me 
elsewhere. And these were even big, big sites like Target or West Elm. I just, it was just like, well, out of stock. Actually, West Elm did a pretty good job because they funneled me towards something different. But you, if you are a small business retailer, it is really, really important for you to funnel them to another place so that they know exactly where they can go to get an alternative product. So just be aware that if you do not have a redirect set up, that you really could be losing customers. So what works well with these product images to get them through to buy your product is both lifestyle shots and product shots. So when I was looking at that leather recliner, I was looking at two types of shots. One, I wanted to picture the room that it was in. I wanted to see how this recliner fit into the room because then I could actually see, all right, could I put it together? The great part about this, especially if you sell multiple products that are in your lifestyle image, is that I'm more inclined to buy a lot that's in the picture because I want it to be this this room that matches, right? So having a lifestyle shot is good. And then having a product shot so I can see it up close is really, really good. And a, a good example, I have lots of examples personal of this actually. So a good example is also barn lights that I, we were purchasing for the outside of our house. I wanted to see the different examples of barn lights. And there was this great image of one that had multiple types of barn lights. So I could kind of compare one was like a gooseneck or crooked. I don't know. There's a lot of them. And then I could actually see what they look like on the house or the barn. So when you're thinking of your images here, especially if you are a product seller, really think about how you can uh, go for both lifestyle and both actual like um, product image so I can see it up close. You also want to think about in these um, examples of images again, because we're kind of going a little bit back to images, is you want to think about how you can solve their problem. So making sure that whatever it is that you're showcasing kind of piques their interest. It makes them go, oh, yeah, this will work for me. You know, again, the lifestyle and the product shot. This fits into my house. Okay, so now that we have our funnel kind of going, we have our clicks at the top, then we have our email, then we have our sales or conversions, clicking on affiliate links. Then we want to talk about how to evaluate that. How do you know if it's working? So there's three main places that we go to for analytics. One is Google. The next one is Pinterest. And the third one is Tailwind. So when I go to Google, what I'm looking at and what I'm tracking is what are the pins that are driving the most traffic to my site? Those are often called like viral pins. And then you could look at a second place and that's the places where people, the most pins, like small pins are driving the places to the landing pages. Where are they bringing people? This is more of a collection of multiple small pins instead of like one just viral pin. So again, what this tells me is where people are entering into my site. Where can I go to greet them? Where can I go to give them the most information about who I am, provide opportunities for them to buy, and then also provide opportunities for them to sign up for my email list? I like Pinterest a lot for their analytics, especially as it relates to people you reach. I like this section because when you go down to your interest, you click on interest and you go down to the bottom and what you'll see is you'll see where your pins are being pinned, what 
boards they're being pinned to. And it's really important to pay attention to the boards that are there because what that allows you to do is see, oh, are people getting it? Are they actually pinning it to the place that it should go? So if all of a sudden I hop on there and I see a bunch of things about Instagram or just general social media, I might be a little concerned that my content is kind of missing the mark. Like I'm not making it clear enough that it's about Pinterest. But if I go in there and I see blogging tips, Pinterest marketing for bloggers, I know that I've hit the right target. So when I look into Pinterest analytics, there is a lot in there. Um, There's a lot that's a little bit confusing. And you should note that Pinterest and Google Analytics don't always communicate the best with each other. And so if you see Pinterest clicks, this is how many Pinterest clicks you've received. That isn't necessarily the same as what you're going to see on the Google side. So you can't count that as traffic. It's it's a very, it's an interesting way that they track clicks and views inside Pinterest Analytics. So just know if you're looking for actual traffic, you want to go to Google Analytics. If you're looking for analysis of kind of your overall profile and making sure you're targeting the right keywords and your images are resonating, go to Pinterest Analytics. Then if you use Tailwind, which is a scheduling tool that's approved by Pinterest, you can then go in to see how your pins are performing, what the repins are like, or saves. They're actually called saves now. So on Pinterest, you can't actually see how many times a pin is saved anymore. So you need something like Tailwind where you can go into an area they have called Pin Inspector to see how many times a particular pin has been saved on a particular board. So this is going to inform you about what, how active your boards are, what pins are getting the most engagement in any window of time. So I highly suggest you use all three to inform what it is you're doing in your marketing. And it doesn't take long either. I would highly suggest you do it probably once every two weeks, once a month, so that you can see what your Pinterest traffic looking like. And it's going to be slow at first. That's the really tough thing. When I started Simple Pin Media four years ago, I started my Pinterest page at zero. And I had nine sessions that first month, maybe the first couple months, like nine sessions. And now I believe I'm between 11,000, 10 and 11,000 sessions per month, which doesn't sound gigantic to some people. It sounds pretty low. But for me, that is, I'm targeting a very small audience. And so I'm getting a lot of traffic from Pinterest based on my small audience. And I love it because I would rather have those smaller numbers, but more qualified people ready to sign up for my email or buy than a huge amount of people that are not doing anything about on my site, but like clicking around and then clicking away. The whole goal of a funnel, the whole goal of a marketing path is to get them to be folded in to your audience. And so Don't be too concerned about the number, but do be paying attention to it. When do you have higher traffic times? When do you have lower traffic times? Do you have stuff that's seasonal? Do you not have stuff that's seasonal? So you want to be paying attention to those traffic trends so you're aware when you can really capture them when it's your busiest time. All right, so we want to take action on all of this. And hopefully by now you've jotted down some ideas as we've gone along. But what do we really do daily and weekly on Pinterest? So one is pin every day. Pin consistently. We There's not a magic number. It's not 5, 10, 20, up to 50. You want to go with what you see getting the most engagement for you. 
For me, that's 10 pins a day. I do five of a, five of my own and five of other people's. And a lot of people ask, why do I have to pin other people's content? You don't have to, but I like to curate resources, curate my boards to be a resource for my audience. And I want to curate those with ideas that I support. So you won't you won't find me pinning anything about deleting pins or certain types of scheduling tools because I don't subscribe to their theories. I have certain theories that work for me. So you want to be thinking about how can these boards act as a resource for your audience. So pinning every day, a little bit of yours, a little bit of others is a great way to do that. Weekly, you want to look at your analytics. Just skim over them. Set a timer if analytics are a big trap for you and you end up going down a black hole. Don't spend a ton of time on it. Just set the timer for 20 minutes, get an idea of what's happening, and then let that inform your strategy. The other thing I suggest that you do is share on other social channels that you're on Pinterest. A lot of times we just need people to say, hey, follow me on Pinterest or hey, follow me on my Pinterest tips board over on Pinterest. I'm sharing all these amazing tips for how you can improve your Pinterest marketing. Think about how you could frame it to your person so that they'll want to engage with you on Pinterest. The last thing is patience. Just have patience with the platform. Don't look for a get rich quick tip. They're not there. I've asked, I've looked. I ask people all the time, hey, is there something I'm missing? Is there something that's going to skyrocket me to the top? And I have taken a lot of courses. I've asked a lot of people. And I can tell you that the thing that always works, and it has worked with so many of our clients, is knowing your person, creating content that they want to read, getting them to share your content for you on the platform, and then talking to them through email list and building this loyal fan base who's going to continue to be your raving fan and share on all social channels, but most specifically Pinterest. So try not to get discouraged. Know it's going to take a while, but when that funnel does get fully up and running, it will continue to bring you traffic and bring you subscribers over and over every day, month over month. And that is what will help grow your business. So I hope this has been super helpful for you today. If you want show notes or any of the links that I talked about, go to simplepinmedia.com slash 90. That will have all the information about the path that we need to go down for clicks, subscribers, and sales. Again, thanks so much for listening to the Simple Pin Podcast. You can hop over to simplepinmedia.com slash 90.